Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners, and it's a trio of lacers today. Uh, We are starting in the new year with a trio of lacers. Myself, Max Bailey, who is our Tech Advisory and Client Executive Director. Max, how are you? Hi there, Chris. Great to see you early in the new year, as always. Yes. Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year. And we've got Aaron Aubrey as well. Aaron, our co-founder and uh, Managing Director. Max. How are you? How are you both? Happy New Year to you. Yes, Happy New Year. We are on the 10th of January. I think I have a rule, which is like after my wife's birthday, which is the 13th of January, no more Happy New Year's. So it's just going to be really awkward when I meet potential partners that we've got or people that we know within our sphere who know Lace Partners and love Lace Partners. And they say Happy New Year on the 16th or 17th. And I just greet them with a yes. Uh, It is the new year. It is 2022. And we have just released a blog Mm. uh, last week as the time of recording. uh, It was last week and it was on trends, HR trends for 2022. And so what we did is we asked your good selves and a couple of other other exec uh, members that work at Lace Partners just to give some of their predictions. And so what we thought we'd do today is just have a little bit of a a chin wag about some of those predictions. And so what I thought I'd do is, I mean, if you want to, you can, of course, view our website. You can go onto the website into the insights section. And it's one of the uh, first articles that you'll see on the page. So you can get access to that nice and easily. What I thought I'd do is I'd just probe Max and Aaron in terms of their thoughts on some of those predictions. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to kick us off by asking a question of you two guys. And I'll start with Max. What I'd really like to know, we'll go through most of the predictions that we've talked about, but what's the one big prediction from the predictions that we've chosen that you would say, Max, is your, this is the one big thing for 2022 that HR directors need to be thinking about or will be at the top of their agenda? So I've got I've got two crows, but I'll go with the one that I think will be even larger than the second one. So I think the first one for me is going to be all about hybrid working. It's going to be the almost reflective what do we actually need an office for recasting of the requirements around the the estate or the real estate estate for most large organizations and then how they can reshape that to make the most of their their workforce because whilst we are seeing changes in covid we're seeing changes in lockdown we're seeing an intention to get back to the office in the case of most people i'm talking to no one is in a hurry to be physically back in the office full time so i think throughout the year we're going to see co-location get get back to somewhat back to normal but there's going to be a but at a much lower level than previous occupancy aaron what's your thoughts on that as max is one big thing the hybrid approach what are we using offices for now apart from in lace partners to uh store all of the cakes and things in the in the little mini fridge that we've got in the office no, it's, it's a great point i think um as max says it's going to be something that lives with us through the whole of this this year and it's really interesting listening to the dialogue of some of our clients. So, you know, some of our taking a stance have come back whenever you feel safe and whenever you feel want you want to. And if, you know, for a lot of their workforce, it's you know potentially you don't need to come back. Other sectors very much pushing an agenda of we want you back as soon as possible, taking into account government guidelines. So, I think there's going to be a real 
difference between organizations much um, much more um, polarized than pre-covid that emerges through this year and if you think about the great resignation which i know we'll come on and talk about as part of this and the challenges around sort of value proposition and differentiating yourself and attracting talent which are all challenges which will continue through this year how you approach hybrid working and how you approach co-location and keeping people connected through this next year i think is going to significantly impact on on that ability to attract talent into your organization so we're going to see quite a lot of polarized views i think through 2022 mm. so go on then let's um that's max's kind of uh, one big thing so what's your one big thing before i think we will talk about the great resignation after that because i don't think it is mm. the great resignation is your one big thing is it no, well, it's interesting because there's lots of what, as, as Max has said, you know, there's lots of things that are going to happen this year. People agenda is still very much the fore, so I think it's going to continue to to drive. And I was I was looking back, Chris, over last year's predictions, so 2021, and you know, when I think we were talking there around sort of big system changes, there's ongoing business transformations on the back of COVID, DNI employee centricity coming to the fore. And some of those I think we still see in, in 2022 continuing, but there are some new ones. And I thought oh, I wanted to pick on one, a, a new entrance, if you like, into this, which is actually not really even to COVID connected, though it is slightly. And that's around real-time payments. And this might seem like a bit of an odd, odd one to bring up, but what we have started to see, and I think we'll really start to see the acceleration of through this year into next, is the emergence of technology and a demand through finance well-being and, and the focus on that of real-time payments. So moving away from the traditional paid at the end of the month to payment systems that can pay people as they work and earn their earn their hours. Um, so I think we'll see that start to emerge. So for those people in particular with workforces um, that are doing more sort of time, time logged pay, uh, time logged jobs with time tracking, I think we'll start to see that really start to emerge through this year and next. So I want to pick on something new. So that's the one I wanted to pick on. Yeah, I quite like that one. I quite like that one. So, Max, what's your thought on that from a, I guess, from the well-being perspective? So, I just talked specifically about the financial well-being, and another just a terminology thing, just that I've heard as well. With uh, when we're talking about earned wage access and real-time payments, it's very, very similar, obviously, isn't it? In terms of what what it is offering, it's all around that financial well-being. But how big do you think that will be, Max? The the well-being side for HR teams. I think it's. I think it's a really interesting question, Chris, because actually at a, at a technology level, the technology there is to deliver real-time payments. But you could argue for some workforces in some contexts, that's a really good thing. For other workforces who are very used to being paid on a periodic basis, actually having access to your money in real time could open all sorts of, call it, less helpful behaviors within those workforces of spending beyond their means or you know linking back to the um that you know the, the salary payday wage wage loan type or, or gambling problems so I, I think it's it's going to be a really interesting piece on one side with the amount of transformation that technology could introduce over the next not just one year but over the next three to five years as organizations move from their existing payroll providers to ones that will provide real-time payments, either through, you know, an upgrade of the existing systems or implementation of a new platform. So I think on the one side for our industry, it's it's a fantastic opportunity 
it's almost the next wave of transformation we can see heading heading down the track. On the other side, though, of the, the financial well-being piece, I wonder if there'll be some sort of kickback based on people having too much access to money and spending ahead of their means. I think linked to that, what I'm really interested in is the wider well-being piece as well, because Aaron's sort of focused in on that side of it. It's, you know, making sure that you're looking after people and things like that. Well-being is going to be a forefront of people's agenda. And and Kathy obviously talked about it in her particular section. Yeah. But I just wonder if, just from your perspective, there are any other parts of that that you see there's going to be an increase in. So one of the things that Kathy mentioned in her piece is physical, mental, financial well-being. And as as Max is saying, was sort of talking about there, he talked about the fact that you've got organisations that are having to almost look after people do people really need to be molly coddled that much i guess i know I'm, I'm, that's not what max said but you know there is that there, there are people out there that will question that you know how much is the responsibility on the employer and how much is in the on the employee yeah it's um it's a great it's, it's a great conversation is that i think we can talk a whole podcast on well-being um mm. as, as, as you say and, and kathy raises it in the in the blog right around that focus is no doubt COVID, as we know, has really pushed that to the fore through 2020, 2021. There's no no uh, way that is going to drop away through 2022. And each business, I think, is going to take its own line on um, its culture and its view of well-being. But I think we'll certainly see as a whole a shift of in, an increased focus. I mean, we were doing some target operating model work with a couple of large corporates over the Christmas period and into the new year. And, and a big part of the conversation was where does well-being live and how does how tied together? And a lot of them have decided to bring that into the talent management space mm. um, because I think a lot of it is tied into differentiation, the way you treat people, the culture you want to develop. Um, and how you want to differentiate in that fight for talent. And again, I think Kathy mentions it a little bit in her, in the blog as well around the trends for her, which were, you know, how do we how do we focus on what differentiates and how do we um, find uh, the right talent? Which is, you know, we saw that in twenty twenty one, those big programs that were driving that behaviour around talent haven't gone away. They're going to continue. So anything that differentiates, um, be it around well being, be it around DNI, be it around hybrid working, as Max was saying, you know, these are all things that will continue to form a big part of the people agenda um, mm. for the next two, three years, as Max was saying as well. Yeah, cool. So let's we're going to move on from well-being because otherwise we'll be spending all night talking about the different predictions that we've made. I want to kick us on to the great resignation because Kathy wrote a piece about it last year, just as that was really turning is turning out into the press quite a lot it's already started but i guess my question i'll start off with you max again on that on this one it's kind of already started into last year and people are talking about it now but what i'm really interested in just your thoughts on how long do you actually think this period of transition is going to happen when do you when do you think we'll see a more leveling out of you know people a more normal sort of attrition of particularly when you're talking about the senior hr professionals in the marketplace is that going to be something that we we continues for the whole of this year is it going to go into next year do you think it'll level out halfway through this year what do you what's your general thoughts Chris, that's a that's a great question, but I mean, you could almost have asked me to predict the share price in twelve months' time as well. To be fair, <laughs> well, predict yeah. the share price. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's going to. I think it's going to vary by workforce. I think it's going to vary by level, and I think it's going to vary very much based on partly on what happens with COVID, 
partly on what happens in the economy. So we're seeing a lot of potential of inflation starting to skyrocket. And if that was to continue throughout the end of the year, even if the COVID was under control, you'd, you'd probably still get a lot of movement amongst people chasing chasing pounds, right? So I think it's a number of different layers. And then layering onto those pieces, you know, your base, what's happening with COVID, what, what do people need financially to keep their head above water? You've then also got the pieces around well-being, how do they feel their employers have, have been through COVID? You've also then got, you know, with, with the focus, increased focus over time on climate change and and uh, responsibility you know which employers do people want to be focusing on and then the extra layer of as the the younger generations come through what type of employee employer do they want to work for so it's it's a it's a great question chris and i think it will carry on personally i think it will carry on for most of this year and probably to next year and i think it may even be the start of a much more fluid and dynamic labor market um, many of the clients I'm working with are talking about creating uh, more fluid talent pools or labour pools, both you know in terms of talent mobility, both within their organisation, but also looking outside it in what's known as the gig economy. Yeah, it's really interesting actually because it's almost like during the pandemic period we had the the build up from the dam of people not moving because you know everyone's stuck at home and you just get your heads down and carry on, and so that's what. I guess that's what my question was born out of is have we now seen the dam sort of open up and at the moment we've got a flood of people into the market that are looking to to move roles and then eventually it'll level itself out or are there going to be different models as you've just talked about with the gig economy that that pop up that have fundamentally changed the way the labour market works um Aaron you're sort of nodding away have you got any sort of thoughts on that yeah well, I agree with Max. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to, to predict, but certainly I think for the next couple of years, what, you know, now that is, is underway, um, one thing we can see from past past experience is that it will continue, right? And that will continue to move. We know there's a talent shortage. Uh, the, the direction of travel towards digitization of, of work in most organizations isn't slowing down. Uh, and so, you know, we are going to continue to see see um, that kind of progression. And as Max says, there's lots of factors now that are impacting on where people go. Financial is one, um, purpose is another, ways of working, culture are others. So they're all going to influence on people. I think just bringing it back a little bit to um, our our sort of audience listening into this podcast, right? I, you know, we, we did the piece and uh, our survey last year, I think we highlighted that sort of 70% of our respondents indicated who were HR directors indicated that they themselves were getting ready to look to move. You know, and I think when we talk about the great resignation as a whole for the whole whole workforce is one view, but then focusing on HR directors who have borne the brunt of a lot of the COVID um, challenges for around people, you know, certainly I think we're going to see that continue through 2022 as HR directors get ready to move and, and move on to their next opportunity. But also uh, some, quite a few, I think, will step out and step away from being on front line because it's been a high pressured environment for them for the last two, two years. And this year will continue to be a high pressured environment. So interested to see when we run that survey again, what results we get this year, but I expect them to be as high. Yeah, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all as well. And Link, 
linked into that, and this is another one of the predictions actually that Liz focused on, linked into all of what you've talked about around you know people looking to move on and what are the reasons they're looking to move on. It's not just I want you know I want more money. It's the the type of you know what's the business that I'm working for. Do they are they representing me? Do they have the same culture and values as I do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Is obviously Liz talked about the employee value proposition. So I'm going to stick with you, Aaron, just to give us your thoughts mm-hmm. as to how that might change in 2022. Do you think a lot of businesses spent a lot of their time during the pandemic period reevaluating their EVP and therefore a lot of them are uh, well set? Or from your experience, are we going to see a lot of organisations still look at their EVP and say, actually, you know, the deal, as Cathy so affectionately puts it, the deal is very, and Liz as well, the, the deal is very different. And so therefore we need to we need to change our approach post-pandemic. I, I, it's, it's really interesting in this space because um, I think we have seen quite a lot of organisations reevaluate what they stand for and how they operate with their workforces because they've been forced to through the earlier stages of 2020. Um, I think what we'll see over 21 and over 22 is that that will continue to, to evolve and people will continue to revisit. And, and, and I think we'll start to see the differing workforces um, different EVPs start to emerge. So it might be for those that are um, remote workers um, who continue to be frontline remote workers, for example, the EVP may be quite different to those who will continue to work from home going forward. So there'll be elements that uh, will be consistent and there'll be elements that will be different. But I do think that this uh, this continuing search for differentiating yourself um, and the value proposition that therefore differentiates you is going to be with us through 2022 for all the reasons we just talked about around resignation. But as Cathy always says, and, and, you know, and you go back to some of her previous podcasts around EVP, you've got to be very careful that this is not just words that you're presenting to the market and it's not just brand, but it is the promise that you're living, mm. the deal that you're you're providing for people once they join your organisation matches those words. And I think that's where the work is going to be coming through in 2022 is people recognising that actually they've, they've got some great rhetoric going around how they want to change their culture, but the reality of changing it is what's going to have to happen through 2022 to make people stay longer than just 12 months of experiencing that. And, you know, that goes hand in hand with one of the other predictions in that in the in the blog, which is around people managers, because mm. to make that come to life, right, you need people managers who live the EVP or new brand and, and retraining them and, and building them in for that culture, I think is a real focus point for this year for a lot of organisations. Yeah, certainly. So I'm going to move us on just away from that, the the EVP side of it. And I actually want to go back to Max now, because one of your predictions, which I really liked the terminology is chasing the cloud. You said that, Max, that there's already seen, we've already seen a number of organisations look at chasing the cloud. So can you just, for our listeners, just kind of elaborate that a little bit and your thoughts around, you know, what we're going to see from, uh, from a cloud perspective in 2022? Yeah, and I guess I guess when I said that, Chris, I was I was using it almost as a slightly tongue-in-cheek uh, description because what what we've seen over the last few years, and I think we will continue to see through twenty twenty two and definitely into twenty three, is organisations trying to digitise at pace, almost frantically in some cases, in the hope that this will somehow fix their processes and data. I think we're going to see a, a stronger realisation in the market, and particularly amongst larger organisations, that actually the new piece of technology won't by and of itself fix many of the challenges they have today. They'll also need to have a, a, a revisit of their existing processes, 
most likely of their operating model, but definitely of their data, and in particular, the way that they structure and drive their their, um, their job architecture linked into their their EVP. Because, um, of course, those things do go together as well, as well as the finances and and compensation packages, learning pathways, etc. So, so for me, that that phrase or that that trend, I think, was a t- slightly tongue-in-cheek way of observing that I think organisations are getting a, ahead of, um, in some ways, the technology with their thinking now and looking at how they want to use the technology, how to get the most out of it and realising that actually there's still a foundation story around getting their data and their processes right rather than simply racing to um, implement a new piece of technology in the cloud. Yeah, no, that's brilliant, Max. Thank you very much. And I saw Aaron absolutely frantically scribbling stuff down. So I'm not going to move on to the next prediction without giving him a chance to just uh, put his two penneth in. So fire away, Aaron. Well, no, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more with, with Max. And for all the things we were talking about around EVP and the brand and you're living your promise and so on, you know, you've got to get those fundamentals right. And, and you've got to make sure that your, your underlying process data policies match to that. Um, and I think it's it's interesting because there's, there's the other prediction that I think James made in the paper is around work workforce analytics and the importance of that. We certainly saw that in 2021 start to emerge, right, as people started to say, okay, well, we can't find the talent we want in the market. We have to grow our own talent. We have to better understand our talent. That in itself drives a whole data and architecture and workforce workforce architecture discussion. But you know, the, the intent there is to move to a position where you can start to predict what kind of skills and capabilities you need as you look forward on your on your business growth. And I think that that will be a part of the, the growth um, over this next uh, couple of years that we see in businesses as people getting a handle on how do we more easily predict what we need in terms of resource and capability and skills and where do we find them? Yeah. Do you know what? Actually, I'm going to take this opportunity to give Max a little bit of a shameless plug and a little bit of a <laughs> teaser to something that we're working on at Lace that we'll be re- um, uh, releasing later on in the year. Uh, Max, people data analytics is your is your baby. So do you just want to uh, uh, give us just some thoughts, maybe just give a little bit of a teaser as to what people can be, be looking forward to? And is this the year, I guess, my other question, is this the year where uh, organisations really start to hone in on people data analytics, getting those teams in place to be able to, to crunch numbers and, and, and undertake effective uh, and workforce people analytics. Thanks, Chris. Um, that's a that's a that's a really good question. As it, as it happens, um, so so I think what we're seeing, and and we're as you you said, we're putting a white paper together on this at the moment, is that there's a huge promise in people and workforce analytics. Now, whether it's it's about the people data, whether it's about the broader workforce performance data. There's a huge promise there. And amongst our client base, you know, there's almost two extremes and just in the broader market, there's, a, there's almost extremes of some organizations have their data architecture in place and they're able to do meaningful workforce planning, meaningful workforce analytics, meaningful people analytics, etc. Other organizations have spent large amounts of money on it and really not even past go. So the, the white paper that we're going to be releasing um, later in the year is very much focused on what are the seven or eight foundation pieces you need to have in place to make the most of your people and workforce uh, analytics journey. And and you can probably imagine from some of my previous comments, it's not just about the technology. It's clearly about process. It's about governance. It's about data. It's about data architecture, as well as having some very cool tech to help yeah. support 
the uh, the function. Yeah, don't just get that shiny new thing because it looks shiny and new and cool, and uh, and you'll be able to tell the rest of the business about how fantastic the shiny new thing is. Get the basics right around that, uh, that analytics side. Um, we are coming towards the end of the podcast in terms of the predictions. I've got a couple more that I just want to get you guys to talk about. Aaron, I want you to talk about your prediction about the uh, the consolidation markets leading to significant talent and people implications to see as you actually talk about M&A activity as well. So can you just touch on that side of it, like why you think there'll be some growth in the M&A space? Yeah, sure. And I think you know, I'm not a market analyst, but um, it's clear, I think, to anyone who follows the markets that uh, people couldn't spend money in 2020. Private equity, VC couldn't spend the level of money that they normally would spend through 2020. We saw more of that being spent in 2021. The expectation is that will continue in 2022. Some businesses have fared better than others through COVID, which always, um, when you see that in a marketplace, means that there is an opportunity for consolidation. So I think we'll start to see more of that happen. And we've already started to see some of that um, occur um, across various sectors of the of, of the marketplace, but I think that will continue. And that just brings with it a whole uh, raft of people challenges for those involved, whether you are being divested uh, into an acquisition or acquiring uh, organizations and uh, and I just thought it would be interesting from a people an HR agenda if we're looking at what's you know what's going to be on the agenda for HR directors in 2022 I think there's a fair chance that an HR director in 2022 is going to have some implication around a merger and acquisition at some point through 2022 uh, and all the people aspects that come with that and the infrastructure and systems aspects that come with that as well of merging to uh, organizations together. Brilliant. Just, I'm just going to give Max one more opportunity to talk about one of his predictions, and then I'm actually going to do another semi-shameless plug for uh, Emily Onis, who couldn't be here because she's running a webinar next week on the uh, engaging the unconnected workforce, which is one of her predictions. So I'll do that at the end. But Max, in your predictions a bit, you talked about the importance of getting your business case right. So can you just elaborate for our listeners on what you were talking about there uh, and why it's important for 2022? You know, I think I think with the, well, with all of the pressures we've talked about on organisations' bottom line, getting access to investment funding for transformation is as challenging as it's ever been, if not more challenging. There's, of course, the promise of cloud, there's the drive to enable the hybrid workforce, but your investment case, your business case for getting the funding for your transformation is still going to need to be approved in competition with many of the other initiatives that your organisation is looking at. And so I think we'll see a refocus um, now that COVID has settled a little bit, if you will, we'll see a refocus on the importance of the business case and getting that to be mm. a positive ROI in as quick as quick time as possible. And clearly that's all going to be built on the transformational opportunity around data, process, location and technology. Brilliant. Uh, we are almost out of time, but I am going to do that shameless plug, as I mentioned. So as we're releasing this podcast on Thursday, the 13th of January, next Tuesday, so it's only a few days away, we have a, a webinar, which Emma Leonis is uh, doing, Emma in our uh, executive team. And that's really focused, as I said, on engaging the, uh, the unconnected workforce. Some of the questions that she's going to be looking at, and she's got uh, a few external speakers in, so it should be quite interesting. There will be an on 
on-demand version. So if you're listening to this podcast after we've released it, you can go onto the Lace Partners website, just check onto the Insights section and then see the uh, the webinars that we've run. You'll be able to see the historical backlog of webinars that we've got, uh, that catalogue of webinars that we've got as well. But some of the questions that she'll be looking to tackle are, you know, what are the main challenges uh, un- unconnected workers are facing? How do you provide a HR services and support to these groups? Is it a mobile first or self-service strategy that's the best approach? And what in- interventions have really made a difference and how can you measure their impact? How can you ensure everyone feels that they have a voice and isn't perceived uh, difference in their level of support provided across the unconnected workforce? And what are some of the lessons learned as well? We've got some really interesting speakers. We've got the guys from BP and we've also got former HR director at Sunrise Senior Living as well. So some really, really interesting things in there. We are out of time, chaps. As always, it is an absolute pleasure to get your valuable insight. So, Max, thank you very much for joining me once again. Chris, as always, a great pleasure. Uh, and Aaron, once again, great to have you on. Likewise. Fantastic conversation. Thank you. As I always say at the end of the podcast, you can get access to the Lace Partners podcast on our website. Uh, we've just launched a new website. So it is within the insight section. So you can actually, if you just go onto the Lace uh, insight section, then search on podcast, you can see all of our back catalogue of podcasts. You can also search through different types of categories now as well. That's a new functionality that we've just added in. Uh, if you listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, then it's the same. Uh, location as always you just need to search for hr on the offensive thank you very much for joining me looking forward to 2022 we hope you join us for many more of our podcasts we've got some really interesting stuff coming up in terms of white papers webinars we're looking to run some face-to-face networking events as well in areas like employee experience payroll so hopefully it's going to be a good 2022 we hope you are enjoying your 2022 so far and we will see you next time on the hr on the offensive podcast Bye-bye.